So today is Easter morning, and as all good Easter messages should be, we're going to start in the Old Testament, because why wouldn't we? So if you have your Bibles, whether uh, physical or digital, please turn with me to Exodus, Exodus 25, and I will start reading at verse 17. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the mercy seat. Does anyone know what this is? So it's the top of the Ark of the Covenant, right? If you've seen Indiana Jones, you've seen anything, you've seen what this is. So the top, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is called the mercy seat. And it's pretty much as described, very, very overly detailed. It's, you know, you have its dimensions, you have angels on top, wings pointed together facing each other at either end. It's the lid of the Ark. Let's go on. Continuing on here, verses 21. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the Ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I give to you. There I will meet with you. And from the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the children of Israel. So the ark, the top of the ark especially, is a very special place. This is the place where God appears. This is the place where God talks to the high priest. Sometimes this is called the footstool of God. The mercy seat, the top of the ark, is the place where God appears and talks to the high priest, talks to Moses about what? All that I will give you for the commandment of the children of Israel. This is the place where God comes and talks about what is going to happen to the children of Israel. What do I want the children of Israel to do? What are the things that will help you prosper? So the mercy seat is a very important place just for that. But it has another function. On one day a year, the Day of Atonement, you might know it more as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies. The ark was in the temple. The temple itself had these kind of concentric rings around it. The innermost part was the Holy of Holies. Basically, the only thing in it was the Ark. There was a couple candlesticks and such, but the Ark was the main thing in this room. It was sealed away behind a curtain. Once a year, the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies, a lamb or a bull would be sacrificed, and then the blood of that would be sprinkled onto the mercy seat, onto the top of the Ark of the Covenant. This was the yearly atonement for the sins of Israel. This was once a year, this had to be done to kind of cover over the sins of the people. And all that happened on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on top of the mercy seat, the seat where God appeared to Moses and talked. It's the same seat that gets sprinkled with blood every year to cover the sins of the people of Israel. So just kind of put all that together, we have a stone, in this case, it's covered in gold, with 
angels on either end of it, the place where God appears, and the place where blood is sprinkled for the atonement of sins. So just take all that, lock it away for a second. So now we're going to jump forward to Jesus' resurrection. Now, before we get to that, we have to kind of do a little bit, set the stage for the kind of resurrection story. So Jesus, uh, okay, we'll stay here. So Jesus dies on a Friday, right? Good Friday. Dies in the afternoon, you know, three, four in the afternoon, time-wise, somewhere in there. Now, normally, you would be taken down, and Jewish burial practices are, when you, when you come from the cross, or most people weren't crucified, but when, when the body comes in, it would be completely cleaned, completely washed, get all blood, get everything off. Special oils and ointments would be put on it to basically embalm the body. Ointments would be put on, the body would be wrapped. It would be put, let's see if you're going to behave today, on a kind of bench like this. Now, yes, if anyone is looking at details, this tomb is from way after Jesus' time, but same idea. Um, the body would be put on the center, on like a dais or up to the side, on a bench or a bed. Some amount of time would pass, generally about a year. A year later, the family, friends would come back and there'd be another kind of ceremony where this body would be unwrapped. By this point, it's just bones. So the bones would be taken and spread around other parts of the family tomb where the bones of the rest of the family was. So when you hear the phrase, like, I'm going to be with my fathers, I'm going to be with my ancestors, that was very literal. Their bones would literally be scattered around the bones of their ancestors to make room for the next family member that would die go on this bench here. Quick run through of burial practices. Now, Jesus dies in the afternoon of Friday. Does this pose a problem, potentially? Can anyone see a potential issue with what might happen here? can't do work on the Sabbath. So they can't perform the normal burial practices. So they have to rush to just get Jesus off the cross, wrap him up quickly, get him into a tomb. So that's what they do. The idea being, on Sunday, after the Sabbath is over, that some people will return, unwrap him, do the proper burial ceremony, do the full washing. And in this case, because Jesus was quickly put in the tomb, his blood would have, would have spilled out onto and stained the stone table. They're going to have to clean that probably. So they're going to clean this table, do the actual practices, put the embalming fluid in, put, put the ointments on, wrap his body properly, put him back into the tomb. So that's what the women in the passage we're going to read are doing. They've just put Jesus in the tomb quickly, and now they're returning Sunday morning to actually perform the burial practices proper. So there's where we pick up our story. So we're going to jump to Luke 24, starting in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, this group of women, came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared for the embalming. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes. And the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember 
how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb and reported these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, I don't want to skip past this scene here. So I think about this as if you were staging this scene. Kind of what would it look like? Well, you'd have kind of the bench where Jesus' body was, and you'd have two angels sitting next to it. You would probably have Jesus' blood stained on this bench. Is this sounding familiar? Is this hitting some bells? So just as the mercy seat from Exodus has a bench, angels, blood stained for forgiveness, that's what we have here. This is the place where God appeared on earth and the place where sins are atoned. Same thing is happening here. The blood of Jesus is our atonement stained on this stone. Here on this new mercy seat is where both the justice and the mercy of God meet. On this new mercy seat is where the commandment that Jesus talked about at the Last Supper, this new commandment, is fulfilled. This is where it comes to fruition, is on this mercy seat. This new mercy seat ends the need for all other mercy seats because no further sacrifice is required. No longer is there a need for a day of atonement where an annual sacrifice has to be given. Because this time the sacrifice isn't a bull or a lamb, but the Son of God. This is a sacrifice that will never end. This is our eternal sacrifice, our eternal mercy seat. Now, think for a moment about the Exodus mercy seat. Who did I say was allowed to go there? The high priest. One person, the most elite of elite, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, go to the mercy seat once a year. That was it. That was the only person who had access to the mercy seat, who had access to God. This new mercy seat is open to everyone. Now, this group of women are the first to enter this new holy of holies, the first to enter Jesus' tomb, but they are told to go and tell everyone. Go tell the disciples. Go tell everyone about this new mercy seat. This new mercy seat is wholly open to us all. It's open to everyone. No longer is access to God restricted. No longer does our sin keep us separated from God. We can enter into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus, because of the blood on this new mercy seat. We have unfettered access to speak with the creator of the universe, to speak with our Savior. This final atoning sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, opens God's mercy up to all of us for all time. This is what we celebrate today, Jesus' victory over death, and in turn, our victory over sin through Jesus' blood. Our ability to unite with God, 
our ability to be present with our Creator, our Savior, is only because of this new mercy seat. And that's why we're here. That's why we're celebrating today. So this morning, celebrate with that wild abandon. Shout for joy at the victory and the forgiveness that we have today because of our Savior, because of this new eternal mercy seat. Take a moment and just sit with your God. Sit with that love. Sit with that joy. Sit with that grace, all of which is freely given simply because we are loved, simply because God loves us, which is good because this, is, this mercy, this grace, something we couldn't get on our own. So chase that love. Chase that love today. Never forget that we are all loved children of God. And what's more, embrace that forgiveness. Forgiveness can be hard. Sometimes we feel like we can forgive everyone else but not ourselves. There is nothing that the forgiveness forged on this new mercy seat does not cover. There is nothing, no sin too big for this mercy seat. Nothing we have done is too much for our Savior. Ask God for that love today. Ask God for that forgiveness it's yours. It's there because of the empty tomb, because of this new mercy seat. This new mercy seat is large enough for all of us to sit in. Might be better to think of it as a table instead of a seat, right? The mercy seat was initially kind of where God is coming down to sit and be present. This new mercy seat is more of a table where we can all gather. We can all be present. This new mercy seat, mercy table, whatever you want to call it, is large enough for all of us, and all are welcome at it. So join me at the table. Join the fellowship of Christians. Join the family of God at this mercy seat, this mercy table today. Never forget why we can go to this table. Simply because we're loved. Simply because we're loved. The creator of the universe loves you enough to open up a seat for you at their table, at the mercy seat, at the table of God. Join me at the table and join me as we pray.